righty. Well, good to see you tonight. Thanks for being here. First Kings chapter 17 is where we're at. I don't know if you've ever uh, felt like you're losing your mind. Um, I was just sitting there. Pastor had asked us to turn Second Corinthians. I did. I read the verse along with him. And one of my OCD habits is always to make sure that I have my notes for tonight. And my notes were sitting beside me and my Bible wasn't couldn't find it. I lifted up to look for it. I looked at my daughter, blamed her for taking it until I saw it in my hand. So I don't know. I hope that's not a symptomatic of what's happening in tonight's message, but we're going to try anyway. Of all the things I've lost, I miss my mind the most. First Kings 17, verse number 8 is where we're going to start in a few minutes. Sometimes we think of grace as only a New Testament concept. Uh, it often, uh, we, we, it's seen all throughout the Old Testament as well. And I want to look at a story tonight <coughs> from the Old Testament. It's got grace all over it as we're going through this grace series on Wednesday evenings. Uh, starting at verse number 8, <coughs> 1 Kings 17. And the word of the Lord came in him saying, this is Elijah, the Lord's coming to, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. I always kind of smile when I read that verse. It reminds me of when I go camping with my kids, and I tell my kids to gather wood for the fire. That's kind of how they do it sometimes, gathering two sticks. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son about that request. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal <coughs> shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Here's this strange man she's never met before, comes in, not only demands food, but demands all that she, her last little bit, that she's about to feed her son and then die. Now, give me that first. <laughs> and she does it. Father, thank you for this passage. We pray that you would bless the reading of it. Help us as we look into it this evening and uh, unpack it for what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In this Old Testament story, God demonstrates his grace through the prophet Elijah uh, we see God's grace displayed both in the provision, uh, not only of the prophet, but for the widow and her son as well. Now we, again, as I said earlier, we can be tempted to think that grace is kind of a, only for church matters. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the reasons, I don't know if you're of the same mindset, Pastor uh, but, uh, DeFord, but I, I um, had, you know, you hear the dispensations, I'm a dispensationalist, and we often refer to this age as the age of grace. And I per personally prefer to call it the church age because every age has been an age of grace. Grace has been all throughout the Bible. And I understand what people are saying, but 
But that's why if you'll hear me ever talk about the age when I always refer to it as the church age because grace has been here since God, uh, since the fall, God has showed grace to his people. And it's needful for our physical, our emotional, our spiritual needs. The relief that grace brings uh, to, from the burdens that we face, the pressures that we face, it cannot be found anywhere else. They try, people try all the time to find relief from those things, but really grace is what we need. And uh, grace, or God works graciously with the people who trust him and obey him, as we'll look at tonight. And grace is not just for Bible characters like this widow, like for Elijah, all people throughout the Bible. If you're a child of God, grace is for you, each and every one of you. God wants to bring, make his grace evident in your life. Even, you, you look at this time of the Bible here, uh, we're talking, uh, th this is particularly a judgment that they're going through. This was a famine in the land. Uh, in 1 Kings 17, uh, we see the, how the, the children of Israel had went after Baal and uh, following false gods, and so God's judging his people for turning away from him. And you would think maybe it's a little strange to find grace in the middle of judgment, but we do. God paints a picture of his grace. Also, that's a reminder of his grace during difficulty. Because sometimes when we're in trials too, and, and that's really when we need it the most, isn't it? So, because of the people of Israel had turned to Baal, God through Elijah proclaimed this drought. It was a fitting judgment because people uh, that believed in Baal or worshipped Baal, they thought that Baal was the god of the weather. And so he controlled the weather. So God went right. By the way, if you ever do a study on the ten plagues of Egypt, each one of those plagues was an attack on one of the false gods that the Egyptians worshipped. It just kind of stuck it to it a little harder there. Uh, so here, uh, God did the same thing. Baal, you think, you, you think Baal controls the weather? Uh, have, him, have it rain, which in fact they did try. Remember on the mountaintop with Elijah, the prophets of Baal danced around on the altar trying to make it rain and cut themselves and screamed and cried. And, and uh, then Elijah just prayed and, and the fire fell. So he's already shown who's in control here. But now, uh, uh, God has promised during this drought to take care of Elijah. He sends him to the brook Cherith, uh, where he could drink from the stream there. And then, strangest thing, he has ravens come and feed Elijah meat. Do you know what ravens eat? Meat. And yet they didn't eat meat this time. They brought it to Elijah. And, they, and God fed him there for all that time. Then the brook dries up. And God sent Elijah now to Zarephath, is where our text enters the story. There, a widow would care for him. Now, obeying this command took some faith uh, for Elijah, uh, several reasons. First of all, Zarephath is, the Bible says, in Zidon, which is Jezebel's home country, who is, who is trying to find Elijah and trying to kill him. So, uh, he's going into the danger zone, and not only that, a uh, big old tough man like Elijah, and you're going to go mooch off a widow? It's not something that would be in his desires, I'm sure. But uh, the story is not only about God's grace to Elijah, but how he used Elijah as an instrument of God's grace to this widow. I want to look tonight at the widow's burden, look at the widow's faith, and then at the blessings God showered on her by grace. Henry Morehouse was an evangelist years ago, and he was going through a very trying time in his life, a difficult trial. His daughter was paralyzed. That wasn't the trial, but he was going through something else. But his daughter was paralyzed, and he came home one day. She's sitting in a chair there, 
and he is carrying a package for his wife. So he asks her, Where, where's your mother at? And she said, she's upstairs. And he says, well, I have this package for her. And his daughter said, his daughter's name was Minnie. So Minnie said, let me give it to her. Uh, you're, you can't walk up the stairs. You can't carry the package upstairs. This is too heavy for you. You're not able to get it up there. And she says, no, no, you let me hold the package, and then you carry me upstairs so I can give it to mother. And so he did. He's carrying her up. And then it hit him that this is what he's going through in his life. Yes, he's carrying a burden, but who's carrying him? And we have to look at it that way sometimes in life. We've got burdens. We've got trials. We're holding on to them. We're bearing them. But God was carrying him, and God will carry us as well. Let's look at the burden of the widow, verse number 12. The Bible says here, And she said, As the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, in Bible times, it would be very difficult for a widow to provide for her children. The problem was compounded by the fact that there was a drought that's been going on. And uh, the, the Bible actually tells us here she's down to her very last meal when Elijah came to her house. And anyone who's ever built a fire to bake a, when it says a cake, essentially we're talking biscuits or hardtack or whatever she's making there with this little meal, uh, two sticks. She's <laughs> gathering two sticks to make a really little fire to, build a, to make the last of her two little biscuits for her and her son, and then they're going to die. She was preparing to die. She says so right here. But God had other plans for her. He was going to manifest his grace to her. Just as God has enough grace to relieve every burden she faced, let me tell you, friend, God has the grace for you that you need for your burdens as well. Uh, he cares about your needs. Psalm 146.9, The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widow but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Some of her burdens that she carried, she, had a, she was carrying the burden of loneliness. I don't know how long she had been a widow. The Bible doesn't say she's only had her son to care for. She no longer has the companionship that her husband had provided. She was all alone. She had to struggle to survive, shouldering the responsibilities of this child that she used to share with her husband. And worse yet, there's a famine going on. And so the word Zarephath, by the way, means a melting place, and she had indeed uh, had her heart melted here as she is going through these troubles. She suffered the loss of her husband, and when Elijah shows up on the scene, she's preparing to make this last bit of food that she had, and then she's just preparing for more devastation, including her own death. She is desperately in need of God's grace. You ran into anybody this week in need of God's grace? We have. Well, we're all in need of it, but some are more desperate, and so she was. She also had the burden of limited resources. The drought had dried up all that the widow had. She only had enough food left for one more meal. Uh, despite her own uh, despair here, we see that her concern was for her son. Uh, she was preparing to feed him one last time before they both died. I was thinking on this today, uh, how mothers are. A teacher asked her boy, I asked a boy in her classroom this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, two parents and five kids. Uh, what part of the pie would you get? They were studying fractions. And she says, what part of the pie would he get? And he says, I would get one-sixth. And she said, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions. I said, there were seven of you. And he says, I'm afraid you don't know my mother. She would say she doesn't want any pie and then cut it up in six pieces and share it between the rest of us. That's how mothers are. And that's how she was too. She was concerned for her son. 
Uh, the Lord's concerned about us as well. Job 36, 15, He delivereth the poor in his affliction and openeth their ears in oppression. When we go through periods of scarcity, the temptation that we have is to doubt God's goodness, is to doubt God's love for us. When we go through periods of hardship or uh, periods of need, uh, Satan whispers that in our ear. You know, we, we believe the lie that if God was really pleased with you, you'd have plenty. That's not always the case. And uh, we, we go through that feelings of thinking if God was, if we really had God's grace, we would have all that we want. And this is certainly the message that many churches teach today. But we do not measure God's love by our material possessions or what we have. We measure God's love by the grace that he displayed on the cross. That's how you've got to measure it. Uh, the cross is, the, is proof of the fact that God never fails to provide what he deems necessary for us. She had loneliness. She had limited resources. Also, she bore the burden of love. Now, normally we don't think love would be a burden, but think about her situation here. Uh, it's impossible to truly love someone without being burdened for them. Uh, everyone who's ever lost a family member or a child or has a child that's away from God's will knows this burden well. The widow's love for her son uh, was a constant burden to her as she struggled to keep him alive. And uh, this was a burden that she could never put down. So, now, this is the situation she found herself in. Then in verse 15, uh, she went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. The, the belief or the faith of the widow. This widow was a woman of faith, and we see that because the request that Elijah made is outrageous. Think about it. Here she is, gaunt, poor, sickly, starving. They're starving to death. They have just a little bit left, a little meal. I mean, we're not talking, we're not talking uh, fried chicken here. A little bit of flour, cornmeal or something like that, a little bit of oil, just enough to make enough to maybe last another day or so, and then they were going to die. And he tells her, now, go make that for me first. That's a, that's a rude thing to do. If, I mean, imagine how hard it was for Elijah. I'm, a, I'm presuming God told him to tell her this because this isn't something we would volunteer to say. I want for feed me first. Man, think about this. And uh, it goes against all human reasoning, yet she accepted the fact that she had to play a role in God's plan. She accepted what Elijah told her and she did everything he said. She, uh, when, at, when Elijah asked for a drink, she brought it to him. We don't know if water was as short a supply as food was. It probably uh, doubtful she had much water anyway, but Elijah asked her to make the food for him before she had her last meal for herself and her son, and she obeyed his instruction. That, I think we can go past this story sometimes, and we don't consider how monumental that is, that she would... Do that for, and he's a stranger, but she had the faith to do it. Her response is a little different than that of Martha's. Remember Martha in the New Testament? She protested when Jesus told him to roll a stone away. She says, "No, no, you know, after four days the body is going to have uh, started to decompose. It'll have an odor." She was relying on her own reasoning. She lacked faith. Jesus replied to her in John eleven forty, "Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God?" Now think about those words. If thou wouldest believe, thou should see. The glory of God. We see the demonstration of God's power after we believe and obey in faith. 
How many times do you see that throughout the Bible? You see God's power displayed in your life after you obey. We just did a whole series on Gideon. When did God defeat the Midianites? After they took the plunge. It's one thing to sneak up on a bunch of Midianites. It's another thing to surround them quietly in the dark. It's a pretty scary thing if there's 135,000 of them. There's 300 of you and you're blowing on trumpets. But they did it and God came through. He came through after they obeyed. And so the challenge to Martha and the widow were the same except what is humanly impossible except that it's possible with God. We need to accept that fact. To obey, now here's important, this is so important, to obey God without demanding to see the result first. That's a toughie sometimes. Because we want to see the results. If I do this, I get such and such. If I sacrifice in this area, then this is what happens. Sometimes God just asks us to obey in faith. Like Abraham, remember Abraham? I want you to go. Go where? Just go. Imagine Abraham selling that to his wife. We're going on a trip. How long? Forever. Where are we going? Don't know. We're just going to go. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty big ask. And yet Abraham had to have faith to get him there. So had she received the miracle of provision first, there would have been no faith. But she obeyed in faith. Look at uh, widow's response to Elijah shows that grace in action, or shows us grace in action here as clearly as any other story in the Bible. Think about the ways she should, could have responded. How would you respond? Get out of here. I don't know you. Who are you? Why am I going to feed you before I feed myself, my son? I don't know you. I know my son. I'm going to feed him first. No, that was not her response. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. There's no record of questions, objections, excuses, only of her obedience. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of thine increase, of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Putting God first goes against our nature. It just does. We put ourselves first. That's our nature. Not putting God first. Putting God first goes against the way that we think. I believe one of the reasons that God told Elijah to make that request is to demonstrate the importance of priorities. We have to put aside our own interests and put him first. When you're, it doesn't matter if your substance is large or small, honor God with it first. Whatever he blesses you with, put him first. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, before God pours out a blessing on anyone, he needs to be sure that he is first in that person's life. We see it all throughout the Bible, and you'll see it in your life as well. Now, she, she played the part of a servant here. Uh, somebody said, if you want to tell whether you're a servant or not, uh, you'll be able to tell in how you react when you're treated like a servant. <laughs> Sometimes we get treated like a servant, we flare up. Who do you think you are? But... When you're treated like a servant, how do you react? Are we putting ourselves first? Are we putting others first? Do we serve others before we serve ourselves? Do we allow the grace of God to change our focus from what we can get and enjoy or what we can give and serve? We need to rearrange what's natural in our life because what's natural is me, 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 me. That's natural. You, 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 you is not natural. Me, is, me first is natural and then 
Uh, we need to change that around, though. Remember the acrostic for joy you probably learned as a kid? Jesus, others, yourself, in that order. And that brings you joy. Grace to give to Elijah. Uh, Mark twelve forty one. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. This is another widow he talks about here. And behold... Uh, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and said unto him, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast in the treasury. And this is like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know how much a farthing is. I know it's way less than a penny. It's, it's just nothing. And then these guys, I, I read, uh, I was reading a book one time just about the culture in that day, and uh, I read somewhere that they, they uh, often even had, like, trumpeteers. You think uh, theme music is a new thing with movies and stuff? No, they had, like, trumpeteers to go in front of them. Can you imagine carrying a big uh, bag of coins or money or whatever, and you have somebody playing you a trumpet song while you're putting money in, so everybody sees it? And there's this widow that kind of sneaks up and throws in a couple of, Two mites, it's a farthing. And Jesus is watching, and he says she's given more than they have. Disciples, what in the wide world are you talking about? Well, because God doesn't judge just by what we give, but what we have left after we give. What we're willing to sacrifice. And that's what she gave. She gave it all. Now, the story of the widow and the two mites here, this is kind of a perfect parallel to the story of this widow who fed Elijah because God... Watches when you're growing in grace. He keeps record of your faithfulness, whether you have little or whether you have much. Grace equips us to give with a generous spirit. It prepares our heart to respond with a yes when God calls on us. And of course, I'm not talking about financially only. I'm talking about whatever. Being faithful to church, being faithful in our Bible reading. Whatever God asks for us, do we have a yes uh, in answer to him? There's an old story about a man trying to cross a river. He didn't have much money for a ferry ride. The river was too deep to walk across, so he stood on the road watching as men came and crossed, uh, waiting for somebody that would be willing to take him across on their horse. The man agreed, uh, a man was watching, and a, a, a one came by, and he asked if he might get a ride, and said, sure, and he climbed behind this guy on his horse, and the guy took him across, he thanked him, and the guy goes on his way. Somebody was watching on the other side and says, why did you let all those other men pass by, and then you asked General Andrew Jackson for a ride? He says, I did not know who that was. But I was just watching for a face that said yes. And it, it made me think when I read that story. Do, you, do I have a face that says yes? You ever seen faces that say no? <laughs> you know better than to ask because it's written all over their face. They wouldn't, don't want you to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Or do we have yes faces? When God calls on you, do you have a yes face or do you have a no face? What's your response? God is pleased with people who are obedient. In faith, obedient. Just be obedient to him. Jesus said the widow gave, who gave two mites had given more than anyone else, not because of the amount of her gift, but because of the sacrificial spirit in which she did it in. Now, can you give sacrificially? If you have grace, if you, uh, when, when God's grace abounds in your life, you can. Can you serve others? You can if God's grace abounds in your heart, absolutely. God never commands you any, uh, to do anything that he does not enable you to do. So instead of sitting back, and this is so tempting for us, we want, to sit, we want the Christian life to make sense. We want to be able to figure it all out before we do it. I like that because I'm a planner. I like to do those type of things. I like to have the things mapped out before I start. 
That's the natural thing. Sometimes we just got to obey. We don't have it figured out. I don't know how it's going to work out, Lord, but I'll do what you say. And then we see God work as the widow did. Can you imagine? I, I just I try to wrap my mind around this story and what had to be going through her mind as she's making this last cake for this stranger. This is her boys. It's what was going to be given to him. They're going to die, but she's feeding him first. That took faith. Now look at the blessing, verse number 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So, what does this mean? It means the next morning when she poured some out for breakfast, there was more in there. Next, then that, that day when she had lunch, there was more in there. If they ate three times a day, I don't know however many times a day she worked. I've regretted often, why did I start my kids eating three times a day? How simple would it be if I'd have only started them two times a day? But that's another subject. But three times a day, or however many times a day, she pours it out, there's more there. She pours out oil, there's more there. It just continues to come out. It'd be kind of good for your high V bill, wouldn't it? And that's what was happening for her. And so she was blessed because of it. She obeyed first and then was blessed. She obeyed first and then God came through. The widow trusted God to keep his promises and then and only then did he provide miraculously. Proverbs 3.34, he giveth grace unto the lowly. The world would not have ranked her as any kind of an important person. I think, remember Jesus later, by the way, records this story and he says there were lots of widows. But God only saved this one, or he only did this miracle for one. And uh, her humility, her faith, brought her a level of God's blessing that her peers did not appreciate or experience. Grace replenished her physical need. The uh, meal and the oil that she had sufficient for one final meal. It was going to be for two, but it fed three people for many days, the Bible says. God's grace is sufficient. It is greater than your need. It is no matter how big your need is, your, your God is bigger. And uh, many children of God, though, live their life never experiencing the joy of seeing God's grace meet their needs. Going through life without it. And, and the reason why we find in Matthew 9, 28, when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, Believeth, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now let me ask you a question. Is there any one that God cannot help? No. Is there any challenge beyond his ability to meet it? No. We know that. We understand that. Uh, the problem is not his ability. The problem is our reluctance to believe and obey. It's our obedience that gets in the way. Faith is required for grace to supply our needs. And we see that through this story. Not only did grace replenish her physical need, but also relieved her fear. That song uh, in our hymnal, Amazing Grace, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." Grace can relieve your fears. Yet what is one of the most prevailing problems in America today is exactly that, fear. Uh, mind-altering, mood-suppressing drugs are the number one prescribed drugs in America today because there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of people are struggling in a lot of different ways. Uh, and, of course, there's, there's a need for those things as well, but how many heart problems are being treated 
uh, the wrong way. Grace is what we need in our life to help with spiritual problems. The Bible tells us that a spirit of fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We see this grace in this widow's life. Now, here's what happens. So we believe God, we obey God, and sometimes God will even give us a great blessing. He'll come through. We're excited. There's a great victory. Man, I'm just, we're excited to see God work. And then tragedy strikes. You've been there before? And then the bottom falls out. Well, this is what happened to her. Look at verse number 17. This is after everything's going great. They're eating high on the hog now, as high on the hog as you can eat on biscuits. But that's what they were eating, and they were being preserved. And it came to pass, verse 17, after these things, that the son of the woman... The mistress of the house fell sick, and his sickness was so sore there was no breath left in him. He died. That's what happens to people who don't have any breath left. They die. Okay? So the boy died. She did what God said. God blessed, and her boy dies. Oh, isn't that something? And isn't that, though, the way that sometimes it goes? Uh, the only comfort she had in all that time since her husband died was her son. Her only hope was her, uh, her son for the future. He was the one that she dedicated her life to. Now he's gone. And it was after she had obeyed. I can imagine every day when she pours that middle meal and gets that oil, and the next day there's more, her faith was growing. But now it's, 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 it's dashed. It's gone because of this tragedy that's come. And I think it's interesting because here's what people do whenever a problem enters their life or a problem enters the church or anything like that. There's two things that are very prevalent. I'm not saying everybody does this all the time, but there's two things that people do. Number one, they blame God. Number two, they blame the man of God. And this is exactly what happens here. Uh, she blamed Elijah for the death of her son. Look, verse 18. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? So she blames God, and she blames Elijah. I, I'd like to very gently remind her, if it weren't for Elijah, he'd have been dead a long time ago. But, you know, that's not the right thing to say at that time. But this is true, isn't it? Elijah wasn't the cause. Uh, he extended and prolonged their life. But in her grief, she got a little irrational, which happens in our grief many times. And she blames God's man and blames God as well. And, and it's an easy thing to do. You know, problems crop up at church. Pastor's fault. It's easy to blame the pastor. He's got big shoulders, so let's, let's put it on him. Or deacon's fault or somebody else. We, we, we blame uh, people for uh, problems that really aren't connected to them. Or we blame God, like it's God's fault. I had somebody tell me the other day something bad happened in their life, and, and they were really angry at God uh, for a while. And uh, I get what people are saying. We were real careful with that because uh, God's never unfair. He's never unkind. He never puts anything on you that's not good for you. So don't, don't get mad at God. That's a dangerous thing we start getting mad at God. God does not have to meet our approval. Amen? He does not have to, we don't have to vet how he works in our life. We need to just submit to how he works in our life. But this is what she did. Now, obviously, her son passed away. She's not, uh, you know, we, we understand she's going through a time of grief here. So I'm not trying to beat her up. But it is instructive for us to see how we can sometimes react wrong in times of grief. All right, verse 19. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, 
carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. His prayer, now you see Elijah's faith. Let me tell you something. Uh, we have no record anyway in Scripture that there had been any resurrections before this. Nobody up to this point has been raised from the dead. This is, that's faith. Now, even with, when Jesus was on earth, uh, when, when there, during his time, they would have had the remembrance of this having happened before. But up to this point, this is all new. Elijah has just pure, he has no record in Scripture to support his theory that God can raise somebody from the dead. He's just got faith. And uh, he believed God. He believed God was able to do whatever needed to be done to re meet his need. And he believed God would answer his prayer. Uh, Matthew 21, 22. Here's a convicting verse for you. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now, that verse is not talking about what is the current mega lotto up to 750 million. That's not talking about a winning ticket to that lottery, all right? We're talking about this is spiritual needs. But we ask God, we believe he can do it, and we have these promises in the scripture of God supplying those things for us, uh, supply, giving, uh, promising wisdom in James promising it and uh, we don't take advantage of it as we should we pray in faith we have confidence that God will answer God's power is not confined to the past like people with Elijah people like this widow he's alive and well today he's still working among God's people today amen God still saves he's still doing a work among his people he doesn't need the government's permission he doesn't need uh, he doesn't, he doesn't need us to, uh, I mean, obviously he works through us, but he doesn't need anybody's permission to work. God is still uh, shows his power today. The question is whether you and I truly believe that he'll answer our prayers. Many people, and I do it all the time, and you probably do too, we pray and we really don't have any confidence that God's going to come through with what we're praying. And we need to have faith when we do so. James said, a double-minded man, this is a man who's not settled in his faith, he wavers. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, James 1, 7. Well, look at what happens. Verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. Wow, what a moment. Uh, there's always hope in the grace of God. Always hope. Maybe it looks like there's no hope for restoring your marriage. Maybe it looks like there's, uh, maybe your child is breaking your heart. You don't see how things could ever change. Maybe you're facing financial difficulty or health problems. Got another call today. One of our dear members is facing some serious, serious health problems. It's hard sometimes to see God at work around these things, but nothing is impossible with God. Our God. We serve a big, big God. That's how David could defeat Goliath, because he served a really big God. That's how Gideon could take on, his, uh, take on the Midianites. He served a big God. and We need to realize how big our God is. If you had asked the widow 
to reveal her biggest fear, probably she'd have said something along the lines of something happening to her son. And when her greatest fear became a reality, God bestowed abundant grace on her. We do not have to talk God into giving us grace. He gives it because he loves us. And through his, through his grace, he'll meet, supply our needs, blessing us in ways that we cannot imagine. And so the testimony of this widow, it's endured. I think it's interesting that, that this story, uh, she, she made such an impact. Jesus talked about her. I mean, he used her as an illustration once in uh, Luke chapter 4. Her life stands as a reminder to us of the importance of faith, obeying even when we don't get it. Because the request given of her, I mean, you look through your Old Testament, but that's got to be one of the most outlandish requests given to any human being in the Old Testament, if you really look at it in its core. Uh, and yet she obeyed. The incredible power of grace to relieve the fears in our lives. Grace takes our burdens and replaces them with God's blessings. Grace takes our fears and replaces them with God's peace. Grace provides the means for us to receive what we need from the Lord. We need to just stop relying on our own strength. Sunday morning, uh, we're going to be preaching and just finishing that up today, and I'm excited about that message about this right along this line. Relying on our own strength versus relying on God's strength. We've got to stop. This is why we get discouraged. This is why we get frustrated in our Christian life when we're trying to do it on our own. We've got to rely on God's strength. Allow God's grace to be made perfect even in your weakness, like Paul with the thorn in the flesh that he had. You're not alone. The Bible promises God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a pretty great promise right there, isn't it? And I leave you with that promise tonight. His grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for thee, he said. And thank God. Through a difficult time, we've just come out of a difficult time, or we're about to go into a difficult time. We all have to go through them. Remember these things. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. Don't start skipping out on church. Don't throw your Bible in a corner and stop reading it. Don't stop doing the right things because you're in a bad place. Does that make sense? This woman still did what God commanded, and God came through. He always does. He always comes through. Father, thank you.